Hello, all of you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. And I am Jonathan Pierce. And I am Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and to try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week, Jonathan? We are watching a Grand Hotel. Or is it just Grand Hotel? Just Grand Hotel. Is it the... Uh, it's just Grand Hotel. Okay. Yep. So Grand Hotel. It's a story of stories uh, following multiple characters who deal with subterfuge, depression, failed enterprise, and looking death in the eye and waving your wallet at it. Very nice. Is is this everybody's first time seeing it? It was. Yes, sir. I, I own this on DVD for probably a decade, and it was the first time I'd ever <laughs> seen it. Same, to be honest. I think I found this at Big Lots for $1.50. I think I bought it at wow. Movie Stop for five dollars. I miss Movie wow. Stop. I miss Movie Stop too. So how do how do we like this movie? I really liked this movie. I was, I I was a little off put by the beginning of the movie. The it, like I liked what it did with the telephone conversations. How it kind of gave you a little exposition, sort of. Uh, but after that. What kind of pulled me away, and you'll have to bear with me here. Uh, IMDb does not apparently know this movie at all. I, I um, have it here. So, Trav, I apologize. Do you? Yeah, it's just Grand Hotel. I keep putting it in Grand Hotel. 1932, there it goes. I found it. Oh, I was about, um, to, I was about but, to put the link in the yeah. Facebook chat. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, so uh, Lewis Stone's character, uh, the doctor, when he uh, kind of does his little thing that he does at the beginning and then at the end of the movie, I was like, ah, uh, that comes in a little corny, but whatever. We'll keep watching. And man, did I fucking fall in love with John Barrymore. So John much that guy loved every- Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think this um this is obviously definitely the best acting we've seen so far from any of these Wait, movies. Uh, did you say John Barrymore? Yes. I was thinking Lionel Barrymore. Lionel Barrymore ble- owns this movie both, for me. Oh, Lionel amazing. Barrymore was great as well, but I thought John Barrymore I fell in love with Baron so goddamn quickly, but Lionel, but yeah, Lionel Barrymore as well as uh oh what was his character's uh, name? Uh Finkel Kringling. Kringling, uh, uh, Kringling, that's it. Oh yeah, I I loved him almost as much, but the the Baron character was just so well written and so well played. I just got I loved that character. I, like it's, it's just that perfect combination of somebody who you're supposed to be like charming that you're not supposed to like, but right. you still kind of do. Uh, this was my first time uh, really seeing the the Barrymores, uh, the older Barrymores acting outside of, I mean, I guess everybody's seen Lionel Barrymore as Mr. Potter and It's a Wonderful Life, but mm-hmm. I'd never seen him in a light, happy-hearted way, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, he's really good. Um, all right, let me go do an Oscar breakdown real quick before we get too far into this movie. Uh, so, Oscar breakdown for this movie. It got nominated for Best Picture. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Grand Hotel won 100% of the Oscars it was nominated for. That's that's wild. This is the only one that's done that, right? This, I is, think. this is the only film in the history of the Oscars that only got nominated for Best Picture and nothing else. Wow. Uh, it is the first of four films to win Best Picture without a Best Director nomination, and that wouldn't happen again for uh, another five plus decades. I'm really surprised this didn't get any 
acting nominations for actor or actress. Yeah, and I'm I'm same. And it's and it's really weird because up to this point we've had five actors and actresses nominated, and now at this point, uh, at this one year there were only three nominees in each of the acting in both of the acting categories. Hmm. Uh, there were only three best director nominees and I don't know why this is. I, I couldn't find any information on why they cut it back for this year. Yeah. Don't like that. Hmm. Um, so uh, a couple other notes. This was the first of three Oscars in which two films nominated for best picture received more nominations than the winner. And those two films were Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the guardsman. The next time this would happen would be uh, at the 79th Academy Awards. And oh, sorry, at the 25th and then the 79th. Frank Borzage for Bad Girl Wins Best Director, Friedrich March for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and Wallace Beery for The Champ tie for Best Actor. And this is the only time there is a tie in that category. Okay. Uh, wow. Wallace Beery plays pricing in Grand Hotel. Okay. You know, the champ is another one that I I I know all about it, but I've never actually seen it. I'm going to say this: Is the champ I the have, one that makes people cry every fucking time? It is. Uh, but I I'm going to say this: I like this version of the champ. I think it's really good. I think the remake is better with Ricky Schroeder gotcha. as the kid. I I need to see both of them. Yeah, the kid in this one is Jackie Cooper, who was nominated for Best Actor last the following year, the previous year. There we go. By winning Best Actor for The Champ as well as starring in Grand Hotel, Wallace Beery is the only performer to date to appear in a Best Picture winning film and win an acting Oscar for a different Best Picture nominee in the same year. Sweet. All right. So uh, Helen Hayes wins Best Actress for The Sin of Madden, Madeline Claudet. Uh, the Champ wins Best Original Story. Bad Girl wins Best Adaptation. Transatlantic wins Best Art Direction. Shanghai Express wins Best Cinematography. Uh, Paramount Publix wins Best Sound Recording because apparently at this time they were just giving the the nominations to studios instead of the people working on the films. And we go from nine categories to 12 categories this year. And our three new categories are all Best Short Subject. Okay. Best Short Subject? Uh, Short Films. Okay. Uh, it's cartoon, comedy, and novelty. What what uh, defines novelty? Did you... I don't know, but I really want to find. Because when I think of like novelty short films, I think like short Porn. skits, like Just... well, <laughs> not, not quite, uh, <laughs> but like comedy, like Chaplin stuff, like skits or uh, things like that that were just little quips. The film that wins the novelty category is a film called Wrestling Swordfish. <laughs> and when you go click on its on its Wikipedia page, its Wikipedia page is literally this. Wrestling Swordfish is a 1931 American short adventure film produced by Mark Mack Sinnott. 1932, it won an Oscar for Best Short Subject Novelty at the Fifth Academy Awards. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh Hal Roach wins best comedy short subject for the music box. And now we're gonna go into our new podcast within a podcast, Walt Disney Oscar Watch. Walt Disney wins uh -oh. the first best short subject cartoon 
for flowers and treats. Oh, okay. Which is why I shared it with you guys. I, I wanted you to have reference. On the same night, Walt Disney also gets nominated for Mickey's Orphans, and he mm-hmm. wins an honorary award for the creation of Mickey Mouse. Okay. So here on Walt Disney Oscar Watch, Walt Disney now has two Academy Awards. Excellent. In one night. The beginning of the destruction of public domain. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm also going to go ahead and say it so Paul doesn't have to. Uh, Paul is currently watching game seven of the Dodgers Braves game and watching him on video is hilarious because he's trying to be quiet about it and he's doing really good. But the emotion that's coming off of video is just amazing. Mookie Mookie (laughs) Betts just robbed a home run. Uh, another one that's like the second and two nights and i'm so mad right now <laughs> i'm so mad oh god uh, all right so let's go ahead and talk about this movie yes let's go ahead fair enough uh all right so i see i seem to be kind of an odd man out on this movie i think this movie was just okay really yeah i uh you know i prefer Grand Budapest Hotel, but I, I do I I liked it. I I'm not gonna say it's one of my favorites, but I think it's um as far as what we've watched so far, it's better than a couple of them. Oh yeah, I think I think it's a fine movie. I think it's filled with excellent performances. I think there's a lot of beautiful things going on. Uh, I just I felt like it it took a little too long to get into any meat and potato stuff I really cared about, and by the time it got there. Uh, I was really only interested in the one storyline, and that was uh, Kringling, Lionel Barrymore's character. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to hard disagree with you, sir. I felt that every bit of this movie was necessary to get into any other part at the ending. I felt even just to the point of him loving on his dog, with Baron uh, loving on his dog earlier in the movie, was Mm -hmm. just something that gave more humanity to that character. I think every moment in this movie just kind of fleshed out the characters. Because when you make something like this, when you're making multiple arcs that are going to kind of meet in the middle at some point, you really have to flesh out characters when you do that. You really need everybody to know who each and every one of these people are. And I think it did it at a good pacing throughout. I I felt every character was given an equal amount of time to be fleshed out and to give us what we were given. Well, um, you know, I think, like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I graded it on my, my scale. I graded it on 100, so I gave it an 80 out of 100. Um, that I can, I can see that there were some parts. Well, who's the, uh, the guy that Joan Crawford was taking dictation for? Uh, pricing, the, uh, the okay. industrial magnate yes. pricing played right. by Wallace Beery. Okay. Gotcha. Um, his whole kind of backstory and the meetings they were having, it's like, that felt like that was the one kind of that part of the movie that kind of took me out of it a little bit that I didn't care much about. Um, really, I, but I mean, I don't I, think it was I, badly done. There were some interesting conversations, but yeah, I'll say at no point did I think this movie was bad. I just think the first act takes a little too long to make the pieces fit. The second act does a a little bit 
to bring them together in somewhat interesting ways. And I think the third act is the strongest act of the film. But by the time I got there, I just wasn't interested uh, as much as I would have liked to been. So I feel like the really the only part of the really the only character of the movie I felt was maybe unnecessary um, was Greta Garbo's character throughout the entire film. I felt that was a little. Why are you here and what are you doing? Other than that, though, everyone else just like when you're talking about all of that business stuff that was in there uh, with uh, Wallace Berry's uh, character. I felt that was even more necessary than anything that Greta Garbo had done, just because that stuff kind of lent to that violent act at the end of the film. Like the guy was kind of at the bottom of who he could possibly be. Everything. He just kind of lost everything and he gave up all he was as a businessman. Cause he kind of came off at the beginning as yeah. like, yeah, I, you know, I'm here to make money. I'm a big man about it, but I at least have morals when I do it. And then having to throw those to the side, I think tore him up more than any perception of him could have done. So I think sure, that right. part landed yeah. towards the end. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I, I just didn't like watching those scenes as much. I guess. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I am. Like, there's there's a lot of times where I could watch something, and like I said, I think the third act is the strongest because you see everything come together like perfectly, and you you look back through the movie, and and maybe if I watch it a second, even maybe a third time, I might like it more. And and there's a big possibility of that. Um, cause once you see everything kind of come together, you, you kind of look back at some things you're like, okay, so that yeah. was set up for this and that was set up for this and it all works. It's all, yeah. it all, it is all mechanically done well. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> think again, anything is necessarily bad. It just did not hold my interest as much as I would have liked. Yeah. I think I was kind of in the mood for this type of movie too, though. Um, it really was <laughs> carried by the, by the performances and it was just fun to me, fun for me to watch. I'd, I don't know that I've really seen many Joan Crawford movies, but yeah, especially she was uh, this era Joan Crawford. Yeah, and she was delightful and and pleasant to watch and 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 <laughs> look at beyond you know her performance. But this movie is it's really kind of a sexy movie. There's lots of innuendo and, and stuff. Oh yeah, and, and <laughs> I keep thinking about the line, um, "Would you take dictation from me sometime?" And I just think about. <laughs> The way he says that to her. Oh, and, and I could go on and on all day about Lionel Barrymore. He is such a gem in this movie. Just that oh that scene yeah, where no, uh, he can he confronts pricing at the at the bar. Yeah, is just so wonderful and heartbreaking and triumphant all at the same mm -hmm. time. It's yep. It's everything an acting performance should be in that moment. Yeah. And I like how just at the end, like I was a little kind of taken away from the whole, like the immersion of it when Joan Crawford went with him at the end. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Good for him. You yeah. go Otto. I, I hope you get something from that. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I, it, it was like, I don't, I'm not going to say this was a perfect film by no stretch. Like I said, Greta Garbo's character I felt was unnecessary. And like I said, it may have only been to just kind of show that the Baron 
had the potential to love, but it was also kind of like the vehicle for like the pearls, like adding that uh, reason yeah. why he's there sort of thing. But other than yeah. that, I, I think she might have had a bit too much screen time and an unnecessary love interest. Yeah, just and didn't need to be there. She was probably the biggest name going into this movie. Because this movie well, for the time is getting all of the biggest stars of the time together. Like they wanted John Barrymore so bad. And he wanted to work with Greta Garbo so bad that he signed a three film contract with MGM. So he could be in this movie. Mm. Yeah. And, and they were afraid that, uh, that he and Garbo would kind of be oil and water. But apparently as soon as they get on set, the two of them were just like, I've always wanted to work with you. I've always wanted to work with you. I find that funny because that was just like the the pairing that I was like, no, it wasn't even the the two of them. It was just the two characters that I was just like, eh. the the convenience of the eh. how it happened, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit. Now sudden. this was, of course, adapted from I'm assuming a theatrical ad- adaptation. Okay, was, or was so, it a book? Or all right, so this starts life as a book. Uh, by a woman named Vicky Baum, who is a who was a German a hotel uh, woman who cleans at a hotel. Okay, and sure. a lot of this was based on the stories that she witnessed while working at a hotel in Germany. The original title is "Mention im Hotel," uh, and it was released in 1929. So, in 1929, this book comes out. 1930 a playwright named William A. Drake turns it into a play. And by 1932, it becomes a movie because um, Irving Thalberg purchased the rights to the book for $13,000 and commissioned Drake to write it to see how it would do on Broadway before they made it a movie. Oh, wow. So in three years, it goes, it goes from book to play to movie. (laughs) And it's been remade a few times too, hasn't it? I, uh, I was yes, at least once it was remade into. I saw something on a YouTube comment where they said something about soap operas referring to the Grand Hotel model, and I'd never heard that before. But right, it uh, it was called Weekend at Wal- at the Waldorf in 1945. Uh, okay. It got a stage musical in 1989, and another remake was considered in 77 to take place at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, but did not happen. Okay. So this has been a book, two movies, and two plays. Nice. Right. <laughs> yeah, this was... I mean, you could definitely... You, you know it was an adaptation just because of the fact that it was in Germany, because there would have been no other reason behind it. On the DVD, Zach, I don't know if you watched this, there was also a uh, a short film. I haven't yet. There's a short film that was pretty much kind of the plot to this movie, but in musical format. It's like 18 minutes long. It's really interesting. Okay. I I think I actually like it better than the movie. Okay. (laughs) It also doesn't end with the murder. All right. I'll have to go back and watch it. Okay. Um, A couple episodes back, I really wanted to talk about the National Film Registry, and I completely forgot to add that into my notes. So I kind of want to add that into now. Uh, This film is in the National Film Registry, and for anybody who doesn't know, in 1988, the Library of Congress started a National Film Registry where every year 
up to 25 films get put in for preservation and uh, kept in the Library of Congress. Excellent. And it is great. And it is a wonderful thing that exists and happens. And I'm so happy it exists. Would you like to guess what year this got put into the National Film Registry? When did it, when did, when it did they start doing that? Uh, 1989 <laughs> was the first class of films. And they do up to 25 films a year. 1999. Ballpark guess for me, just throwing darts at a board. 2012. All right. If we were playing places right, Zach gets closest without going over. But Jonathan, you were closer in years. It's 2007. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two of the other films we have discussed so far on the show, and I think I want to try to work this into every episode that I know it happens. Two of the other films we have talked about got added into the National Registry. Would you like to guess what those two are? It's not that hard. One of them is going to be Broadway <laughs> Melody. <laughs> Just because. Uh, wings jerks. and uh, All Quiet are my hopes. All Quiet, wings definitely. And all, yeah. All wings quiet. and All Quiet. All right. All right. Would you like okay, to guess good. the year on? Okay, good. Would you like to guess the year on Wings, the first Best Picture one? I would say my. I want to say 1989. I feel like it. Yeah, 1989 would have been my guess. It is 1997. Oh wow! Would you like to guess All Quiet? 1989, because mm. eventually something's going to get picked <laughs> up in 1989. <laughs> uh, 94. 1990. So it was a second class. Nice, nice. All right, so here are the films that made it into the 1989 class. Uh, Intolerance, Nanook of the North, Oh, uh, The General, the uh, Buster Keaton film, Sunrise, which is the film that won most artistic picture in the first Oscars, The Crowd, Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times, Snow White and the Seven okay. Dwarves, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, The Wizard of Oz, Grapes of Wrath, Citizen Kane, The Maltese Falcon, Sunset Boulevard, High Noon, Singing in the Rain, The Searchers, Vertigo, Some Like It Hot, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, The Learning Tree, Star Wars. Okay. Nice. That is the Yeah, I was foolishly forgetting about movies before the Oscars for <laughs> For our conversation here, but right, yeah, uh, it's a good class. That is a good class, and I cut out some of the uh, the more obvious best picture winners. That when we get to those, you will probably guess them right away. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so, so this is the National Film Registry. Like I said, I, I I'm really big into uh, anybody who does film preservation because yeah, I think it's very important. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of times that I start looking at someone like Georges Méliès or F.W. Marnow and their their filmography will have like brackets that say something like lost film. It's like, oh, that's such a shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such yeah. a shame. All right. Excellent. Well, so, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start asking the really important questions. Paul, you first. Does this movie deserve Best Picture? Okay, so I have to take into account that this was a giant cast that had never been assembled like this before. So this was a lot of the biggest stars of the time coming together in one movie, and that's how they marketed this film. This is like the Avengers, but with really good actors. 
I'm not saying the Avengers aren't really good actors. I'm just saying, like, if if instead of superheroes, they were really good actors, this was the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> um, gotcha. yeah. And also, apparently, this was the biggest set ever built in Hollywood at the time. This whole hotel oh, was wow. one set. Oh, geez. It's wild. I, yeah, I didn't get that except for maybe one scene with um, Kringline um, when he was in his room. It looks kind of, sort of like a set. But yeah. I, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, that, that, whole, that whole lobby was a set, and it was huge. It was massive. So you got to kind of take that into account when you think about how they were kind of giving Oscars to some of the more popular films. But even with that all in mind, no, I don't think this deserved Best Picture. And I'm going to give you three movies right now that I think deserve Best Picture over this. That were released in between August 1st, 1931 and July 31st, 1932, which is what they covered. And that is... Frankenstein was released November 21st, 1931. I think Frankenstein's the best of the Universal Monster movies, and it is one of my all-time Two years in a row! Two years (laughs) in a row! Scarface, starring Paul Mooney, came out April 9th, 1932. That's a film I really like. And Charlie Chaplin's City Lights came out January 30th, 1931. So, again... Two years in a row, not only do you, does Charlie Chaplin's movie get screwed out of Best Picture, but two yep. Universal Monster movies get screwed out of Best Picture. Yeah. Are the, was Dracula and, Universal? Yeah, Dracula is also Universal. And yeah, okay. And it's yeah. I guess it's a little hard to be too mad because uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde gets nominated for so many things, but not Best Picture, and it wins Best sure. Actor. So you get one one monster movie, but it's not one of the universals. It's Paramount. So it, at least at least horror monster filmmaking is getting some love at this time. But I just think Frankenstein's the best of them all. Just no love, no love at all. That bugs the crap out of me. So yeah, that so, movie was just deep as hell. Just yeah, mm. yeah. So I'm gonna say no, just, but at least with my other. Unlike my other nose, I understand why this one best picture. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the next one just because it's fresh in my mind. No, this did not deserve best picture uh, because Paul just told me about Frankenstein and City Lights. <laughs> so, uh, again, two weeks in a row where I, I am learned and upset. So and this you- is coming off of I actually enjoyed this movie. So you got to start. You got to start asking me last. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, you, so, I, I like Zach, that we ask yeah. you first because you you do your homework. <laughs> OK, yeah, please ask me. Well, first. I, I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind ruining your guys's night. I just <laughs> don't want to if I don't have to. Well, for me, because having not known that I would have gone. Yes, I think this deserves Specs picture because I don't know what else came out that year and I probably wouldn't have seen it. But then you tell me what I should have seen or have seen. And then I go, no. I liked this movie, and at no fault of its own, I am now pissed off about this movie winning Best Picture. So, <laughs> there you go. Well, that's uh, hopefully Zach, the journey. Zach, what do you think? Do you think it deserves it? Hopefully, that's the journey that uh, listeners are going on with this podcast. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. And, and tweet at us or uh, leave comments on our Facebook about that if if you would like. Yeah. So Go yeah, sure. I'm I'm going to have to also say no, not deserving. I. I think um, the fact that it was the only thing it was nominated for and it won, that, that always kind of bothers me when 
like how can you not have nominations for the parts of the movie but have the best whole i don't know um but yeah frankenstein is still one of the greatest science fiction films ever made (laughs) yeah even even a movie that old is still um one that people watch i don't i don't think i've ever talked to anybody and like, oh, have you ever seen Grand Hotel from 1932? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, um, here we are, a couple of film nerds, and we just watched it this week after owning it for 10 years. Yeah. The both of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say no, it did not deserve to win Best Picture. All right. Well, now it's time to find out, is this the worst? Zach, was this the Academy's worst Best picture. No, absolutely not. I'm still going with Broadway Melody. I, I'm going to keep that streak going for a while. <laughs> I I am again with you as well. That movie was still terrible. I liked this movie. It it uh, now within the last five minutes for me did not deserve best picture, but it's still not the worst best picture. Broadway Melody is just god awful. Paul. <laughs> uh. Out of the five films that we have watched, this is now taken the middle of the pack for me. It is not the worst Best Picture, uh, though I will say I'm kind of waffling back and forth on whether or not I should have said Cimarron was. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess I got to stick with my rankings, and uh, Broadway Melody is also still at the bottom of my list. Uh, this takes yeah, Cimarron's got some real issues, and it's like as as messed liked, up as Broadway it. Melody and. It it doesn't Broadway Melody doesn't have the controversy I guess or the racism. It's just it's just so a, it's just a it's, worse made movie. It just looks yeah. worse. It feels worse. I, listen, like, Broadway Melody didn't give itself the chance for racism. I think if it was given that chance, it would have gone down that road pretty hard. So oh yeah, I, I'm I'm absolutely shocked that yeah. a bunch of people in some, like one of the stage scenes or something there wasn't a bunch of blackface. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it probably easily could have done that, and maybe even they, did at some point. They they probably didn't want to do the blackface because then people would just start comparing it to the jazz singer too much. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like That's I was fair. saying earlier about a, a baseball player that I'm not a big fan of. I, I don't assume that that <laughs> baseball player is racist, but it makes me dislike him more, so I pretend like he is. <laughs> that, Bryce Harper, I hate him. That's fair. Mm. I don't know what team that person's on. So he's currently on the Phillies. On the, oh, okay. I was like, another Atlanta Braves racist player? Yeah, good old John Rocker. <laughs> I can just, it's one of the only times I've seen the Braves was when John Rocker came back, so. <laughs> All right, I think it's time to call that. Uh, Zach, give us your socials, buddy. You can find me on Critiker. My name is Zach Master on there with X, X-A-K-K-M-A-N. S-T-E-R. You can find short reviews. I'm going to review this one probably tomorrow. Excellent. Uh, you can find me on twitch.tv slash altorn underscore Occam, where I do play some video games, and me and Paul do our watch parties on Thursday at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, 11 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can also catch me on the Facey Books, Jonathan Pierce, or on Twitter at altorn underscore Occam. And my name is Paul Workman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Father of the Fear. You can follow me on Letterboxd. That's letter B-O-X-D dot com slash vaudevillian. If you want to follow along with my watching 
of the best pictures, I have them all listed in a ranking order so far. So uh, keep up with me there. And uh, you can follow me on Critiker at Vaudevillian there as well. But there's the E in that because I spelled it right there. Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching Cavalcade from 1933, which is available on Amazon Prime, Vudu, iTunes, Google Play. And there's actually a free copy on YouTube that I saw today. So hopefully that's still there by the time people hear this. All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. You can follow the show on Twitter at OscarWorstyPod and on Facebook at the OscarWorstyPodcast. Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps make us more visible in the algorithm. Don't we all want to be more visible in the algorithm? Yes, please. All hail the algorithm. For Jonathan and Zach, I would like to wish for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>